Welcome to Mark Connor's podcast. For more information, visit markconnor.com.au. If you have been around for a couple of months this year, you'll know that we've got a vision at the moment to see 10,000 stories of transformation over the next couple of years. 10,000 is a really big number, but uh, that big number represents people. People who have a story, uh, people whose story really matters to God and matters to us. And so we're already this year seeing some great, great stories of God at work, people coming to faith, God doing things in their life. And so if you want to know where City Life going, our vision is to see over 10,000 more stories of transformation right across our ministries and departments and various congregations. And so we're very excited about that. You know, I I love the, the concept of story when we think about our lives. There's numbers of metaphors. Some people see life as a journey with uh, mountaintops and valleys and different experiences in their journey. Some people see life as seasonal. You've got winter seasons and autumn and summer and spring. That's another way to look at life. But I love the, the metaphor of a story. See, every story has a beginning, once upon a time. It has a middle and it moves along. Eventually it finishes. Uh, stories have characters. There are characters in your life all kinds of characters. You're a bit of a character too. Story has characters. Story has subplots and movements. Story has genre. There's different types of story. I wonder uh, what you would describe your life. Some of you maybe see your life as a bit of a comedy. Not too many comedies in this meeting here. Maybe you see your life as a bit of a drama right now. Or maybe your life's a romance. Maybe you'd like it to be a romance. Maybe you feel your life's a bit of a tragedy. Or maybe it feels like a horror story right now. I wonder what kind of genre your story is. I'd like to suggest to you that your life really is an epic adventure that you're on. And my big idea for today's message is that your story isn't some isolated, meandering, meaningless narrative that doesn't connect anywhere. But your story is like a subplot that connects with history, his story, God's story. Your story has meaning and significance when you see your story as fitting in with God's amazing story story that's being unfolded even as we talk today. And so I pray as we think of your life as a story that as you see the storyline of your life today, you just might gain a little bit more insight into what God's doing in your story. Uh, God, of course, has a story. It's a huge story. It began way before time and it'll continue when time is finished. And the Bible tells us a little bit of God's story. I don't know if you've thought of the Bible as a story. Yes, it contains other types of literature. It contains laws. There are poems. There are songs. There are prophecies. There are visions. But all of that literature is connected to a big meta-narrative, a big story. It's God's story. And there are some highs and some lows, some positives, some negatives, some twists, and some turns in God's story. Uh, A story could be defined as a succession of incidents or a series of events that link together. Uh, Donald Miller, in his recent book on stories, says this, A story is simply this, a character who wants something and has to overcome conflict to get it. A story is about a character or a group of characters that want something and have to overcome conflict to get it. Think about your favorite movie. Think about your favorite fiction book or novel. Every story is about a character who wants something but has to go through challenges or conflict to get it. Anyone seen Toy Story? 
every parent has seen Toy Story. What's Toy Story about? It's about a toy, yes, uh, called Woody. What does he want? He wants to be Andy's favorite toy. But you know what? There's a conflict, and the conflict's name is this jerk called Buzz Lightyear. Not light beer, light year. Buzz Lightyear, and he lands on the scene with all of his bells and whistles, and he thinks he can fly to infinity and beyond. Sorry, you've got to see the movie. And so the big conflict in the story is Woody wants to be Andy's favorite toy, but now Buzz is here with all of his bells and whistles. What's going to happen? You have to watch the movie to find out what happens. Every story is about a character who wants something and has to overcome conflict or challenge to get it. Uh, Lord of the Rings. There'll be some Lord of the Rings fans here. What's it about? It's about a character, Frodo, and some of his friends who live in this peaceful shire. What do they want? They just want to be peaceful and enjoy enjoy life, but Frodo gets this ring that falls into his hands. It's a ring of power. It's dangerous. And so he's got to challenge a conflict and he's got to destroy the ring. And the whole story is about overcoming challenge and conflict. Will he destroy the ring? You'll have to read the book to find out. Think of every action movie, uh, every drama. It's uh, will the person get revenge? Will they escape? Will they find their true love? Will the guy, will the girl come back? Every story is about a character who wants something and they have to overcome conflict or challenge to get it. Even God. Have you ever thought about God? What does God want? What does God want? Well, God's a bit of a mystery, but as we read the Bible, we discover God wants a relationship with people. That's why he created us. He's a loving God. He wants a relationship with people. That's what God wants. Does God have some conflict to overcome? He sure does, because the people he created, he didn't create uh, you know, with this internal wiring to automatically love him. He created them with a free will, which was risky. And God has to overcome people who reject him, who don't want him, who distrust him, who run after other lovers to find their needs met. And so the whole human story, the whole... God's story is about God wanting a relationship with people, but having to navigate all kinds of challenges to find that relationship that he really does want. If we could put God's story on a bit of a timeline, it would look a bit like this coming up on the screen now. A timeline... He's a visual kind of storyboard, uh, movie makers, screenwriters, novelists, storyboard, uh, the events, and, and the blue events are the positive events, the, the red ones are the, the negative or the painful ones, and even God's story has positive and negative events. Let's go through a couple of them just to highlight this story. It begins in eternity, Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit in loving, joyful community. Somewhere along the story, God created angels, these magnificent, beautiful beings. And then the story has a tragic moment. Somewhere back in the eons of time, one of these angels, Lucifer, a glorious, beautiful angel, suddenly attacks God, thinks, I can do a better job than God, rises up in pride and tries to overthrow God. There's conflict. Listen to the word. Conflict in heaven. A perfect Environment Conflict in heaven. Eventually, Lucifer's cast out of heaven becomes the devil, Satan, and a third of the angels defect out of heaven. What a moment in God's story. How did God feel? Did, he did heaven weep? What a tragic turn in the story. What's going to happen? Where's it going to go? 
Eventually, God creates the world as we know it, a beautiful world, a paradise, a garden, uh, creates animals and puts Adam and Eve as the crowning of his creation in this beautiful paradise. God's a giving, generous God. He says, see all these trees? You can have any fruit you want for dinner. What's God's will for dinner? Any of these trees. Just this one tree, don't, don't touch. Don't eat that tree. Everything else, you're free to have. How, how, did, how do we do at that little simple commandment? Not too well. It's a bit like wet paint, don't touch, isn't it? We have to kind of go, oh yeah, it is wet. (laughs) One simple commandment and paradise was lost and the story turns downward again. People call it the fall because that one act of disobedience brought death and destruction, devastating God's intention for a relationship with his people. The story doesn't end there. God doesn't wipe them out. He uh, rebuilds the relationship. There's forgiveness. There's reconciliation. You follow the story. God picks Abraham and Israel to be his people and bless the nations. And sometimes they get it. Sometimes they don't. More often than not, they rebel and they run after other gods. And eventually Jesus comes along to show God's heart in its fullest way. He teaches about the kingdom. Uh, they crucify him. I mean, Jesus' life goes up and down. I mean, one day they want to make him king. And the next day they want to kill him. It's like, we love you, we hate you. All these turns, all these twists. And then Jesus rises again, conquers Satan, sin and, deckness, uh, sin and death and darkness and, and sickness. And uh, he establishes the church as his new community, his people to, to be a blessing, to take good news to the world. But all the way along, Satan is trying to deceive people, blinding their minds. And he attacks God's work on the earth. But how many know the story ends pretty well? So we kind of, we can read ahead and know in the end, how many know God wins? Love wins. God gets a people. Satan is uh, uh, given the consequences of his actions. And, and that's, the, that's the story of the Bible. That is God's story with all of these turns and incidents. And if you look within that story, every character in the Bible has their own timeline. I'll give you an example. Joseph coming up right now. Here's a little look at Joseph's life through a timeline of events. There's ups, there's downs, and yet God's interacting with him in his journey. Joseph, you know the story, as a young man, he's got all these dreams of influence and uh, making a difference in the world, and he's got a great future, and it starts really, really well, but uh, his brothers weren't too impressed with his dreams. They grabbed him, they beat him, they threw him down a well to die. It's a tragic turn in Joseph's story, and in that well, he doesn't know if he's even going to get out. Some pastors by lift him out, and then they sell him into slavery, into Egypt. It's actually gone from bad to worse in his story. He's in a prison in Egypt, but God gives him favor. God promotes him, and uh, he starts to make a difference in that area. But then he's falsely accused by Potiphar's wife, and again, he's thrown into a deeper, darker prison. And Days go by and weeks go by and months go by, maybe years going by. And, and then eventually he's promoted again and he interprets a few dreams of some people in the prison and he hopes maybe they'll remember them and he'll, he, he'll get out of there if they remember him. But uh, they forgot. They forgot. You ever been forgotten? They forgot all about him. 
Years go by and eventually Pharaoh has a dream and someone remembers, hey, hey, there was this kid in prison. He could interpret dreams. And just like that, Joseph comes out of the prison, interprets Pharaoh's dream. He's promoted to number two in the whole uh, Egyptian kingdom. And for seven years, he's managing abundance and then seven years managing a famine. It's an incredible story with highs and lows and ups and downs. But it included 13 long years in a prison. 13 long years in a prison. Near the end of Joseph's story, he was able to reflect. He was able to look back. And he made an amazing statement in Genesis 50 verses 20. To his brothers, he says, You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. Joseph was able to look back on even some of the pain in his life. It was still painful, but he was able to say, God was preparing me for something. How many think 13 long years in a prison did something to Joseph's heart that may have prepared him to handle the power he was eventually given? And not only that, now he's being used for the saving of many lives. And so God's story, Joseph's story, every story has what are called a story turn. A story turn is an event or an incident like a doorway through which the character goes and they are never the same again. A positive experience or a negative experience, a story turn is a significant moment in anyone's journey. I wonder for you today what your story would look like onto the next slide. What what, what would your story look like if you could plot it out up to this point in your life? What have been the positive turns, the, the people you've met, the experiences you've had? What have been some of the painful moments? One of the things we're encouraged to do regularly in the Bible is to remember. Everyone say remember. Remember. Stop. Think back. Look at your journey. Maybe this afternoon, maybe this week, you would benefit just by stopping and going, what does my story look like up to this point? I've um, done this with numbers of people in groups where we take a a couple of post-it note pads like this. And uh, let's use blue for the the positive events and let's use pink for the painful or negative events and just encourage people to think through their life and just just write out the significant doorways or incidents. You know, for me, uh, if I was doing these ones, I would go, met Nicole. (laughs) Notice that's blue. (laughs) Met Nicole. Uh, Became a father. Actually, we became married between those two events there. <laughs> became a father. Um, had a new job, a job opportunity that came our way. Uh, a, a new ministry um, expression. Uh, met a friend, Peter. Yeah, just, just start going, what, what are all the good things that have happened in my life? People have met uh, moments, experiences, doorways that I went through that really changed me. R- really good thing to do. And then take the... The, 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 the pink pad. Again, if pink's your favorite color, you can reverse them. For me, pink is representing pain. And just look back on your journey and say, well, uh, what were some of the hard moments? My mum passed away. That was, that was really hard. You, you, you really change when you lose a loved one. You, you're a different person. It's a doorway you go through. You, you, you're different. You attend funerals with a different perspective. Mum passed away, um, car accident. Man, that was a tough day. Uh, went through some mild depression for about six months. 
just just start kind of listing some of the the painful things that that have shaped who you are today. It it can be a very powerful experience. I've seen people do this and remember one woman just bursting in tears looking at all the pink post-it notes. She had underestimated the impact of pain in her life. And some, sometimes pinks come in pairs. And as I look at my journey, there's some really intense seasons with a lot of pink post-it notes. It's just about a pause and look back and say, what's my story been? And how has what has happened shaped who I am today? It can be a very, very helpful thing. And as you do that, just maybe, not always, but just maybe like Joseph, you could gain a redemptive perspective on on some of the pink notes, on some of the painful experiences, maybe God could help you to see them in a new way. Uh, Romans 8 verse 28, Paul boldly says, We know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose. That's a great scripture. It doesn't say all things are good. People passing away, death is not good. Car accidents aren't good. Being thrown in a well, being betrayed, being falsely accused, being forgotten. It doesn't say all things are good. It doesn't even say God causes all things because he doesn't. We make decisions. Other people make decisions. Many of the painful moments in your life are decisions you've made that maybe you regret making, a failure. Uh, They represent what other people have done that really hurt. It doesn't say God causes all things. It says God causes all things, the positive, the negative, the good, the bad, the joyful, the painful, to work together for an ultimate purpose, an ultimate good. As you look back, also realize God was with you all the way. Hebrews 13 verse 5, Jesus uh, is said to say, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. Sometimes we think, God, you were there in the blue moments, but you left me in the pink moments. No, no, no. God is with us in all of those moments. I wish when he's there, he would actually stop the pain. But he promises to be there even through the pain at times. And so to look back on our life and to realize that God has been work all along. Hear me right. I'm not saying that we need to turn a negative into a positive. You know, sometimes we get this optimistic uh, kind of view that just says, well, praise praise God, bless the Lord. You know, uh, all things work together for good. And we kind of think that the negative becomes a positive. No, the negative is always a negative. Pain is pain. Betrayal is betrayal. Hurt, pain. The, the, the negative doesn't become a positive, but God sometimes brings some good out of the negatives in our lives. So we've got to watch when people are in a turn that's got some pain that we don't just come along with cliches and just say, well, look, get a good attitude. Praise God. Where's your faith? Move, got time to move on. That, that can do a lot of damage in people's lives. Some of you would have heard of uh, Pastor Rick Warren, an amazing church leader in America. Uh, Him and his wife Kay went through a a tragedy in their family one year ago. Their 27-year-old son Matthew committed suicide. What a horrific thing to navigate as a family, let alone to navigate that as public figures with everyone watching on and everyone with an opinion about what's happened. Just a traumatic experience for them. Just recently, Kay Warren uh, posted on her Facebook page just some feelings about what she'd been navigating through the last year. Let me read a little bit of it for you. As the one-year anniversary of Matthew's death approaches, I've been shocked by some subtle and not-so-subtle comments indicating that perhaps we should be ready to move on. 
I have to tell you, the old Rick and Kay Warren are gone. They're never coming back. We will never be the same again. Later on, she was to say, because of our love, we conceived a child together. I birthed him from my body. He was part of me, a part of me who was no longer here. How can I be the same? For us as a couple, as a family, there were five of us. Now there are four. The trauma of knowing what he did to himself, how he destroyed the body of this child we love. He did it to end the pain. How could we ever be the same? Trauma changes you. I can't go back to who I was. He's a person grappling with a very negative experience in their life and talking about how, how they're best processing that. I uh, shared that story last night, and I spoke to a woman afterwards who um, experienced a 19-year-old son committing suicide, and we had a chat about just the grief and the devastation and the guilt that Parents often feel in those moments. Uh, uh, suicide is never going to be a positive. You can't, how are you, gonna, you can't turn that into a positive. It's a painful, traumatic experience, and we need to name it as so. Quite paradoxically, as Kay Warren wrote that Facebook post, within one week, 3.7 million people viewed her expression of her emotion. 10,000 people commented on that post. Thousands of individuals started sharing stories of their family members who they'd lost to illness or suicide or accidents. and They re-encountered sometimes the insensitivity of family and friends and their own shame and guilt about their overwhelming grief. Mental illness and depression are often linked to suicide. And Rick and Kay Warren actually recently convened the largest ever one-day gathering of Christian leaders focused on the role of churches in addressing mental illness. Now, I'm not saying we're turning a negative into a positive, but can you see already God is bringing some good? God is creating some safe safe spaces for people who have been through some similar pain to come and talk about it and to see how they can find some healing. And so I encourage you, maybe this afternoon, maybe this week, just, just pause and reflect on your life. What, what are the good things you're grateful for? What are the, the difficult times you've gone through? And how could they potentially be preparing you for something in your future, just like Joseph? Maybe, maybe God can redeem even the pain in our life. And so that's part of seeing our story as connected to God's story is to reflect backwards. But that's not everything. You can't live in the past. We're here today, and today is a blank page yet to be written. Tomorrow, if God brings it to us, is also a blank page. And although reflecting is very powerful, starting to dream, starting to think about our future is very powerful. You know, I've discovered in life, a lot of people spend more time planning their next holiday than they do planning their life. Just smile. Come on, you know someone who's planning a Europe trip right now. They've got all the books, they've been on the websites, they're reading TripAdvisor. I see elbows going right now. We put a lot of work into planning our holidays, don't we? I mean, and that's a good thing. What about planning our life? We've got blank pages. We've got a future ahead of us. Where are you going? What are you doing? Where's the story of your life heading? I can tell you a couple of things about God's thoughts about those blank pages in front of you. Uh, some well-known scriptures, Jeremiah 29 verses 11 to 12. If you want to know God's future for you, for I know the plans I have for you 
declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a future and a hope. Isn't that an encouraging scripture? I think it is. That's an amazing scripture. But did you know that those words were spoken in the darkest moment in Israel's history? Jerusalem had been burned with fire. The walls had been torn down. People had been taken into captivity to Babylon. You talk about a lot of pain. That's what had just happened. There in that Babylonian captivity with all of that pain, God says to Jeremiah, I've actually got some plans. There's a turn coming. There's a change coming. I'm going to bring my people out of captivity back to their land. God's saying, even in the midst of this deep pain, I have some plans. I have a future for you. I've got some good things in store. That's a really encouraging scripture. No matter how many red post-it notes are on your page, as we look forward, God's got some good plans for us. So Ephesians 2 verse 10 says this, we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do some good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. The Greek word workmanship is the Greek word poema, which means you are God's poem, God's work of art, not piece of work, work of art. You're God's work of art. And he's working on you through all of your story. And he's got some good works. He wants you to be creating some positive turns, some positive experience in other people's lives. He's not wanting you to inflict pain. He's wanting you to do some things that will make our world a better place. And so as you look at your future, today's empty page, tomorrow, the future, what do you see? Donald Miller in his book goes on to say this. If you want to live a meaningful life, imagine yourself 10 years from now and ask yourself, what do you wish you would have done or become? And then do those things. That's a really, really good thing. As you look at the future of your story, God willing, 10 years from now, what kind of person would you like to have become? What kind of a a spouse or a parent or a single or a volunteer or a career person or a neighbor? What, what, what kind of a person do you want to come? What do you want to do with your life? Spend some time thinking about that. Spend some time praying about that. Think about the different roles that you play and start to imagine, start to dream. See, sometimes I think as we look at the blank page of our life, we're waiting for God to do all the writing. We're just kind of letting life come at us. And I think God's sometimes waiting for us to pick up the pen and write Psalms 37 verse 4 says, Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Think about that. Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you, he will place his desires in your heart and he will give you what you're desiring. Every person in this room has what we could call soul cravings. We long for community. We long for connection, for belonging. We love for, long for meaning. We long for contribution. And, and it's not getting rid of those desires and, God, all I need is you. No, no. God wants us to pursue those desires in a way that honors him and honors people. And, and so what do you want with your life? A story is a character who wants something and overcomes conflict to get it. What do you want? It's a really good question to ask you. What, what do you want? Are you just kind of going through the day? What do you want? What are you pursuing? Every one of us were designed to be distracted by a noble pursuit. I love that. Every one of us are designed to be distracted by a noble pursuit. Uh, someone put it this way. We are teleological beings. 
There's a really nice thought for you this morning. We are teleological beings. We are designed to move towards something that's going to make the world better. Uh, And sometimes that's just getting a project that uh, God gets you passionate about. Think about Adam and Eve. They're in the garden. God's walking with them. They're in relationship with God. And so they've got a relationship with God. But God gives Adam a project. He says, hey, Adam, I want you to name all of the animals. How many think that's an afternoon job? I did a little research this week, and I discovered that right now there are 20 million unnamed species. 20 million. Some of you are looking for a job. <laughs> right now there are 20 million unnamed species, and scientists have set up a, a Wikipedia site, and it's taking thousands, thousands of scientists, dozens of years to get names for all these 20 million unnamed species. Are you with me? So when God says, hey, Adam, I'd like you to name the animals, how many know that's a project with a capital P? That's a project. That's going to take more than an afternoon. And you kind of go, well, well, God, why don't you name all the animals? You're smarter than me. Why don't you do it? No, no, God wants us to be like him. And so he gives us projects so we can put our creative energies into them and move our life towards doing something. Do you have a project? Or are you just sitting on the couch? Thinking about your next project. What are you moving towards? Well, what, what do you want? A story is a character who wants something. What, what do you want with your life? You're just letting the clock go by. Spend some time to reflect, but pull out some paper and say, where am I heading? What project are you giving me, God? What solution could I bring to a problem? What, what am I angry about that I could get and fixed. You know, Viktor Frankl, a Jewish psychologist, was working with suicidal people, and he found the key to getting them to not go through with their suicidal thoughts was to get them moving from thinking about themselves to doing something for other people. When they started doing something to make the world a better place, their suicidal thoughts kind of disappeared. It's a very powerful principle. We're designed to make a contribution. And so your story is about you thinking through what you want and what God wants, and then moving towards it. And you'll discover once you start to move towards something, you start to write some goals, you start to decide where you're going, as you move, challenges will emerge. See, movement creates friction. When you're sitting on the couch, there's not a lot of stress. But you say, I'm going to get fit. Come on. You say, I'm going to start a life group. I'm going to start a business and make some money. As soon as you move, there's momentum, there's excitement. You're getting up in the morning, you're excited, but there's inevitably going to be challenges and conflict. That's kind of part of how stories work. But sometimes for us, when the challenge comes along, we kind of think, well, maybe I'm doing the wrong thing. All the Lord of the Rings fans, think about it. If Frodo had no conflict, the story would only be this thick of a book rather than this thick of a book. Why is the story so long? Because there's so many challenges it's got to go through. And if you had no conflict or challenges, you'd have nothing to do with your life either. No, we're to pursue our desires and then realize there'll be some challenges. There'll be some things that come along that we have to face. And that's part of the journey. Donald Miller says this, life is supposed to be meaningful and we can't gain a sense of meaning without conflict. When Jesus asks people to follow him, he is calling them into a challenging, counterintuitive life. 
He is not talking about a life of comfort, but rather a life of meaning. Listen carefully. If we think Jesus is a product that promises us a comfortable life, we will always feel like God is letting us down. But the problem isn't that he's not doing what he promised. The problem is we have misunderstood what the abundant life is. Jesus is not a product that will make our life perfect. He's a living being who wants a relationship with him, and relationships aren't always easy. Imagine the Apostle Paul, late night television, it's an infomercial time, and Paul's getting up to advertise the product of Jesus. Just humor me for a moment, just work with me. Here it is. Hi, I'm Paul, and I want to tell you about the product of Jesus. I used to have a job and money and friends and lots of power. Then I got the product of Jesus and I lost my job. I lost my friends. I lost my money and my power. Today I'm secretly shuffled from town to town where I'm routinely ridiculed, imprisoned, tortured, and occasionally bitten by snakes. You too can have the product of Jesus by calling 1-800. And then the little doctor's warning comes on. The product of Jesus may cause temporary blindness. If your blindness lasts more than three days, seek medical attention. Some of you will get that a little later. When we follow Jesus, we're taking up a cross. That is conflict. And so God's saying, what do you desire? We start to move towards that. There'll be some challenges. There'll be some conflicts. And, and, and the problems of the conflict is if we see that life's meant to be easy, then it's our view of the challenge that's the problem, not the challenge of itself. See, if you have a challenge in the midst of a pursuit, it has meaning. If you decide to climb Mount Everest and on the way to the top, you've got ice and snow coming at you, all that conflict's durable because you've got a goal. But if you're sitting on your couch at home watching TV and I start throwing ice at you, it doesn't quite have the same meaning. You with me? Your life is not to be sitting on the couch. Conflict and challenge won't have much meaning. As we pursue what God has for us, there will be challenges along the way. And so take some time to reflect take some time to think, what, what do I want? And what are some of the challenges I'll have to navigate to achieve that desire God's put in my heart? And then at the end of your life, when the credits roll, the question is not, was life easy? The question is, did I live the story God had for me? Did I live a meaningful life? Acts 13, 36, when David has served God's purpose in his generation, he fell asleep. There's a great tombstone epitaph. You served God's purpose in your generation. Look at David's story. <laughs> Not always easy. Paul, 2 Timothy 4, 7 to 8, I fought the good fight. Sounds like some conflict. I have finished the race. Sounds like a challenge. I have kept the faith. And now a crown of righteousness is laid up for me. And so takeaways from today, encourage you. Get, get a couple of post-it notepads. Change the colors if you'd like. and Reflect on your life. What's happened? What's brought me? What's shaped me? What doorways have I gone through? Maybe today uh, there's some people that right now are in one of these really negative turns, uh, a, a pink note that's just devastating your life. Uh, we, we would love to pray that God would meet you there and, and bring some grace into your world. I want to um, share a story with you in just a moment. It's going to be on DVD. And this is about a woman who was born in the Middle East she was sexually abused as a child, beginning at age six. 
She married young and entered into an abusive marriage where her husband beat her. She ended up being hospitalized. Family moved to Australia. The beating continued. Eventually, she escaped with her children and came to Victoria for her protection. One day, you talk about a lot of pink post-it notes. One day, a friend invited her to City Life. She came, and in the greeting time, someone said hello to her and actually felt to pray for her and had a little bit of a vision that Jesus was wanting to lift their burden off her life. And uh, she then came forward. I prayed with her, went to the visitor's lounge, heard a bit of her story. We got her off to a counselor, and she's been on this journey of, of healing and and God meeting her in some of those painful moments in her life. And so I'd like you to, to hear her story. Uh, she's keen to tell her story to encourage others, but for various reasons, uh, we're just keeping her name uh, and her identity uh, uh, undisclosed today. But ha- have a look at the screen as we listen to this amazing story of transformation. I was born in, a, um, in an Orthodox uh, Christian family in the Middle East. I've been raised up in a very restricted environment. I've been abused many times since I was six years old, but I couldn't talk about it. I entered in a very abusive relationship that lasted for long years. I tried to love him. I tried to stand with him, beside him, as for as long and as much as I can. A few years ago, when he was beating me until I got severe physical injuries, I've been admitted to a hospital in a serious condition and transferred here for my safety and my children's safety as well. I felt isolated, hopeless, helpless, worthless. And at this stage, one of my friends advised me to come to City Life. From the first second, I felt like God is taking care of me. I sat beside a couple that I didn't know, that I didn't meet before, and they introduced themselves to me, and they prayed for me. While they praying, they saw a vision. They saw Jesus is coming and raising me up. I saw Pastor uh, Mark. He prayed for me, and he said, we will look after you. We had a meeting at the community care and they put a plan for me. What I feel now, I feel I am very, very closely looked after. I didn't find Christ. He found me through the church here. Now, God for me is everything. It's great. Great, great story. Uh, did you hear the words? I felt isolated, hopeless, helpless, worthless. Uh, coming to City Life was a, a, a turn in her life. Uh, a couple of the greeting time, I, I met that couple last night and they said, you know, we, we don't normally like the greeting time. <laughs> and, and we just felt to go to this lady, showing care, praying with her, uh, feeling looked after. I love what she said. I didn't find Christ. He found me. Isn't it a great story of transformation? Church, that's why we are here. That's what City Life is all about. Intersecting people's stories with God's grace. Now, 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 there's still all those red post-it notes in her life. She's still processing things. She was in our first service last night, came up afterwards. She's getting baptized this afternoon. Tears in her eyes, the biggest smile. And I just thought, only God, only God can 
touch a human heart like that. She wanted to share her story to encourage other people in maybe some of the painful moments of their life that, that God can, can bring a turn about. She attends City Life in a life group and just wanted to share her story today. You know, for her, the turn was finding a safe place to tell her story. And that's so important that, especially people that have experienced abuse, you know, the the stats on domestic violence and abuse, whether emotional, physical, or sexual, are just shocking. And Christian homes are not immune to it. She grew up in an orthodox, religious home. And I just need to say, it's got to change. It's got to change. You know, marriage vows include to love and to cherish. And any time there's abuse or violence, that's a, a severe, serious breaking of the marriage vows. And we, we want to be a church where people find a safe place where they can tell their story and get some help in those kind of situations. Maybe you, you've been an abuser, and I want to encourage you to get some help for that anger and the things that are triggering that. These things can do incredible damage in people's lives. And so, 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 so maybe today you're, you're kind of stuck in, in one of these negative turns in your life. We, we would love to, in a few moments, uh, be able to pray for you and maybe, maybe see a turn today. We mentioned some pretty serious things today, suicide. There may even be some people here today that are really grappling with suicidal tendencies, thinking, is life worth living? Thinking of taking your life. We'd love to pray with you. Maybe you're in a situation where there's some abuse or um, maybe you're just dealing with some grief with the loss of a loved one or loss of a job or whatever painful turn you may be in today. I can tell you this, Jesus is there, he understands and prayer always, always makes a difference. And just maybe today could be a turn for you. Could be some other people here today and maybe you've come as a visitor or you've been coming a few times and maybe you've never surrendered your life to Jesus Christ. For for, for this woman, although she grew up in a religious home, she never knew God in a personal way. Now she has a personal relationship with Jesus. Doesn't change all the pain, but God's now in in her world, in her world making a difference. So maybe for you today, it's saying, you know what? I've been here and I've been around, but I need to make a decision. And maybe today will be one of those blue notes. You look back and say, on that Sunday morning, I invited God into my life and things have started to change. And so uh, I want to encourage you to to respond and to do that also today. We're going to go ahead and stand right now. If we could do that, I'm going to ask our prayer teams to come forward this morning. We've got some of our pastors. We have some of our counselors today and uh, we're going to make some opportunity for people to come forward just for any area of prayer you want to become a christian you're away from god maybe you're not feeling well today maybe you're out of work maybe as i've talked today you go i'm in one of those painful moments and i need god's grace to find me today hey don't don't just walk out don't just leave today we would love to pray with you i know it's a it's a big big crowd but but we're a family and we'd love the honor of just coming alongside you today So as I'm talking right now, if that's you, you say, I need someone to pray with me. I know it's a big step just to step out of your seat down the aisle. But these people would love the privilege of just praying with you this morning, coming alongside, being a point of contact for you today. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast. For more information, visit markconnor.com.au.